0: We are going to extend our Abide uh, series a couple more weeks. And today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite things that helps us abide. One of my favorite things. However, before we do, I'd like to share, uh, I guess it's my take on abiding in Jesus. Everybody else has, I get a turn. (laughs) Um, And the first thing that I want you to know is... If I'm going to abide in him, um, if I'm going to stay connected to him, what does God want from me in order to do that? What does he want? And to make it real simple, he he wants you. He, He wants a real relationship with you a real relationship he wants to be first place in your heart listen to me very closely what you do for god all of your serving god any sacrifice that you make for god listen to me close must flow From your relationship with God. Listen, any of your efforts that aren't motivated by your genuine relationship with Jesus aren't really service to God anyway. In Romans chapter 8, verse 8, it says, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's right. So what do we mean by your genuine relationship with jesus first he wants you to trust him he wants you to trust him as savior and lord jesus wants you to repent of your sin and accept him as your personal sacrifice then god wants you his child to become conformed to his image as an obedient child Stop following the evil desires that you have. But as he is holy, you try to be holy in all that you do. But my point is, unless your love for God is your motivation, your own outward acts of goodness only result in, listen, pride and legalism. Now, this is key. This is a key one. Jesus wants you to surrender totally to him. Now, I want to just contemplate that in your mind for just a second. He wants you to surrender totally to him. And then, and then, his spirit will empower you. Oh, man. That's an important thing that I'm saying there. His spirit will empower you. His spirit will empower you to love God fully and to serve him only now from the right motive because his spirit is in you. You see, when our focus is on loving God rather than simply serving him, we end up doing both. If we skip the relationship part, of our, uh, 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 our service is of no use if we skip that part. God wants a relationship. God wants your heart. David understood this. He understood what God wanted as, we, as he prayed in Psalm 51, 16 and 17. It says, you don't delight in sacrifice or I'd bring it you you do not take pleasure in burnt offerings my sacrifice o oh god is a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart you god will not despise so why a whole series on abide to have a relationship with jesus you must listen to me you must abide in him to have a relationship with him you've got to stay connected to jesus now let's go back to john 15 again like everybody else has done and and it says in verse 4 it says remain in me and i will remain in you as jesus talking for a branch cannot produce fruit everybody say cannot A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. Some of you tree huggers are going to not like me for this. Hey, I need, it won't let me. It won't let me. That's the way you need to be. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Verse five yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, apart from me, apart from me, you cannot do anything. Verse six, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything that you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my father. I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love And when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And then we skip down to verse 12. And I want you to pay close attention to this. It says, this is my commandment, Jesus says. Love, everybody say it together. Love, Love, the next two. Love each other. Love each other. But then what does it say after that? In the same way. You see, we've got to be connected to each other. We've got to remain in each other. Not only do we have to abide in him, but we have to abide in each other. And in our brothers and sisters. In the same way that I have loved you. If we're serious about abiding in Jesus. And as illustrated, we must be. We can't do it without each other. In Northern California, where the great redwoods are, the largest trees on earth stand 380 feet tall. In some cases, get this, the tree trunks are so big that the bark around it is a foot thick. The bark. Yet, believe it or not, the redwood trees have a very shallow root system. Can you imagine that? So how, with such a shallow root system, how have they survived for, some say, thousands of years? How have they done this? They've survived, they've withstood the winds and the storms, and and for all these thousands of years, listen to me, by spreading their roots out and intertwining and intertwining their roots with the root systems of the red roots that are right next to them. And all together and all, listen to me all together, they hold each other up. (laughs) They hold each other up. What a perfect picture of fellowship. We spread out, We intertwine, and we hold each other up, and we strengthen one another. Isn't that good? Hey, that's a good analogy. I don't care what anybody says. (laughs) That's almost biblical. (laughs) Snowflakes are so frail, but guys, when enough of them stick together, they can shut down a city. You can't do a whole lot, and I can't do a whole lot, but together, guys, we will impact our community. Yes. That's right. yes. I hope you get that. Yes. In the church, we do this thing together. The Bible refers to this as fellowship. So, so let's talk about fellowship today. That's what I want to talk about. Luke uses the word fellowship in Acts chapter 2 when he explains God's design. You hear that? God's design for the church, okay? Uh, Luke describes it as a—listen uh, very closely. I wish I had to put this on the board, but that, that's all the more why you got to think through this. Luke destri- describes fellowship as a shared participation within a community. Pretty easy. A shared participation within a community. And this concept that we're talking about, this fellowship concept, it requires generosity. Everybody say generosity. Generosity. It requires sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. It requires trust. Thank you. And fellowship, listen to me, listen to me very closely now. Fellowship flows from a shared life With God. In other words, it flows from abiding with Jesus. Mm. Fellowship in the Greek is kononia, and most often it's translated in English as sharing, as as fellowship, as communion. I encourage you to read the whole uh, the whole book of Acts, but in this particular case, read Acts chapter two on your own time. It's really good. It's, it's action-oriented. They, they sacrificed, listen to me, they sacrificed to share uh, all. They, they shared all their resources. They shared uh, all their food. They shared their home. They shared their time and their stuff and their finances. And, and they did this with anyone in the community who had a need or if the whole community had a need. Yeah, right. That's pretty intense, isn't it? Yeah. You might be thinking, well, that was just probably for the first church, right, Steve? Um, but, it, but it wasn't. We can trace kononia or fellowship all throughout Scripture. Um, it's described as the lifestyle. It's described as the lifestyle of the church in the New Testament. The lifestyle. So how should we respond to God's invitation to fellowship? And that's what I want to talk about today. We've only got a couple more hours to go, so hang in there. I promise you. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 10. I'm just kidding for some of you that are new. I promise we'll be done here shortly. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. It says, now listen very closely to the word of God. It says, let us be concerned for one another. Mm -hmm. Guys, I could stop right there, and we could have a whole message on that right there. Let us be concerned for one another. So many people, all of they are thinking about is themselves. Well, I've got work. I've got to get up tomorrow morning, and I've got, to, I've got to go to work. And then after work, I've got to do this. Or at lunchtime, I've got to take a break, and I've got to check this out. And I've got to do this, and then I've got to do that. And all they're concerned about is what's on their agenda for the day. But look at what Hebrews is saying here. Let us be concerned for one another, to help one another, to show love, And to do good. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more. Several times a year, the Jews were to take their families to the temple to celebrate and to worship together. But listen, the temple was in Jerusalem. And most people had to travel quite a distance just to get there, to go to the temple in Jerusalem. For example, Jesus grew up in Nazareth. That's approximately 100 miles away from Jerusalem. And it's really no big deal, uh, maybe you know a couple hours or something like that, um, by car, not a big deal, by foot, a little longer, all right? And, and they did it, listen, several times a year. In fact, one of those trips is, uh, the famous story that we hear where the boy, Jesus, is lost, and they got to go find him, and he's, he's somewhere. And, and while they were on this trip, he's somewhere in Jerusalem, and they find him in the temple, and he's teaching the rabbis at the age of 12. That's, that's one of the times when they were taking the trek to uh, Jerusalem to go to the temple. That's what they were doing. I want to read to you a song from the 84th Psalm. And they sung this song on their journey to the temple. And it was written by, get this, it's written by the sons of Korah. Psalm 84. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in the house, they'll still be praising you. Verse 10, jumping down for a day, just one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. That's right. check, out, check out their love that they had, the, the, the passion in those words, in the way they did it for the church. So, Something else that stood out to me was, and you know, I think about the doorkeeper's responsibility, the first to arrive, the last to leave, right? Oh, man, it's my turn to serve again this weekend. I got to go to church. No, for them, coming together was better than anything. It was better than anything that the world could ever offer. The Church this journey to church to the temple, and the whole culture surrounding it was was really pretty cool as a Hebrew traveling on the road with all of their family and and then then every town that they would pass, more families would join up with them um, they, they would, they would they, if they were coming from nazareth they, were, they had to pass Cana to, to get there and and in order to do that, probably when they did that. You know, another family joined them. Another two or three families joined them on this on this this thing. And a number of people just got bigger and bigger and bigger. It's sort of like a a caravan, you know, if you will, as they're heading towards the temple and to worship God. This was a big ordeal. They they'd bring their tents and they'd set up alongside the roadside. They'd camp out together. They had a a great time sharing meals and telling stories, and the kids are playing together, and the parents and the grandparents are mingling and talking and celebrating. And, And they made it. Kind of a neat experience. As I mentioned, they, they sang songs together along the journey. My wife, uh, Crystal, no, no matter what she's doing, usually she's singing a song. And whether she's working or she's studying or she's cooking or whatever she's doing, there's a song that goes along with that, okay? That's just the way she is. I can see this long caravan of people uh, on the road and and someone like crystal breaks out with a song that everybody knows you know and, and and it starts catching on and and for miles back you know all these people are singing praises to god and clapping and, and dancing like the ultimate tailgating party or something way better than that way better than that and, and here's a question i got from you or i got for you how important is getting together with god's people to you For these Hebrews, they'd been on the road for three, four days. Nothing for a Tony; he could get there no problem. But it wasn't an easy trip. I, I remember our bus ride to Jerusalem. It, it sets up on some mountainous land, and, and I'm sure, I'm sure it was hard for some of those people to walk that thing. It, it was far. It was far from convenient. But there was something about that trip that meant much more than a hard three or four days walk to Jerusalem. To them, it was worth packing up the kids and, and the pots and the pans and the food and the tents and the clothes. They actually enjoyed it. I hope you are getting the sense that they were enjoying what they were doing. They, they were making memories for their children and, and made lifelong friends in doing all this. <laughs> when I was a boy... Our church was about 30 miles away. And I kid you not, we met a minimum of five days a week. We truly, listen to me closely, we truly lived life together. Our friends that are there became family to us. Still today, we'd do anything for each other. I mean that. Crystal and I tried to do the same thing and raise our kids the same way, and now they're doing the same thing with their kids right here at the bridge. And that's why coming together for whatever the church is doing, I mean for whatever the church is doing, is so important. Fellowship runs deeper than you realize. You're you're, you're building a spiritual foundation for you and for your family and for your children. Listen to me people there 's no amount of money that can buy that for you there 's nothing That's right. We need each other yes. we need each other in the u s We are so blessed compared to any other country, but I think about the direction that we are headed. We keep turning further and further away from God and 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 I what is it? <laughs> What is it that might change the trajectory of our country? Um, is it the government? They, they, they can only do so much. Can, can big business fix it? Can teachers teach us and fix it? And guys, while they're good, listen to me very closely, none of them, none of them can change a heart. They can't heal a wounded soul. They can't turn hatred into love. They can't bring about repentance or forgiveness or reconciliation or peace or real joy. They can't get to the core of the problem with your brother or your sister. They can't get to the core of the problem with your neighbor or or your child or your spouse. I'm here to tell you, guys, I'm here to tell you there's only one power that exists that can do that. And we sang about him today. There's only one kind of love that conquers sin. There's only one kind of love that wipes out shame, that heals wounds, that, that, that reconciles enemies and, and men's broken dreams. Yes, that's right. Or that can ultimately change the world one life, at a time. one life at a time. And guys, as a pastor, what haunts my heart Is that this critical message that I'm speaking today about the transforming love of God has been given to one entity. The church. It's the church. What a responsibility. I want I want to take I want to pause just for a minute. And I want you to to take your finger. Nobody's looking. I want you to point right back at yourself. And I want you to say out loud, "I am the church. I am the church." And often churches treat this responsibility like, "Ah, we can take it or leave it." Yet so many souls listen to me so closely today, I'm not going to be much longer. There's so many souls that rest in the hands of the church. It's the church, guys, or it's over. Without the church's sharing goodness and, and peace and love and joy with this world, well, it's what we see, immorality and corruption and wickedness wins. Listen to me. Don't bother looking anywhere else. It's you. And I, it's the church. It's the church. Psalms 48 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Listen to this closely. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Mount Zion. Mount Zion is the church. Guys, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Hear me. It doesn't matter your circumstances. The church is beautiful for your situation. If your life is in turmoil, get with the church. If your financial picture is is terrible, this is where you need to be. If your marriage is a wreck, check out the church. If your child's heading down the wrong path, bring them to church. If your heart is hard and callous, the church will treat you like nobody else. If you're sick, the church is beautiful for your situation. No matter how bad it is, guys, living life together and the power of Jesus Christ can change your life, can reach deeper than anything, than anything in this world and what it's got to offer. You may think that everyone in your life has abandoned you. But this church family, this church family will do our very best to be there for you regardless, listen to me, regardless of what you think. Most importantly, Jesus Christ has never and will never leave you alone. That's right. I want you to look around you today. Look around you. Look all around. This church is beautiful for your situation. There's a young man here in the Lake St. Louis area who has no family here, no family. Basically, all alone, or so he thought. He, he got into some trouble and accidentally painted his walls with some toxic material, and the city condemned his house, kicked him out of his own house until this toxic stuff has been removed, and, and then he, he doesn't have any place to live until then. Shane told us about him, about this young man, and some bridge men, listen to me very closely, some bridge men went over there, tore out all the walls and ceilings affected and all that toxic junk is gone yes. it's gone now yes, yes. this young man completely completely feeling defeated and, and thought that he was all alone in this struggle he was amazed he was, he was amazed that people that he's never even met before were over there doing this for him I'm telling you it was a mess he was amazed. He kept thanking us over and over. Such a super nice guy. This bridge community that you sit in here today is good for your situation. Yeah. Is good for your situation. We've got more to do to help this kid. Yeah. I call him kid. He's 40 years old, <laughs> but he's a kid to me, I guess, <clears throat> but we got to get him back into his house. There's some things that we got to do, and I know that this Bridge Church is going to help him do it. A pastor in Illinois shared this with us. He had just finished speaking and was standing around talking to people, and a young married couple approached him, and they placed this blanketed bundle in his arms and asked him to pray for their baby. And he asked the baby's name, and the mother pulled back this blanket that covered the baby's face, and his knees just buckled. And he thought that he was about to faint. In his arms was the most horribly deformed baby that he had ever seen. The whole center of her tiny little face was caved in. How she kept breathing, he said, I'll never know. And all that he could say was, oh my, oh my. The mom said that her name's Emily and the dad said, well, we've, we've been told that she's got about six weeks to live and we would like for you to pray that before she dies, that she'll know and feel our love barely able to mouth the words the pastor whispered let's pray so together they prayed for emily and as he handed her back this pastor asked he said is there is there is there anything that we can do for you guys i mean any way that the church can can somehow serve you during this time that you're going through right now? And the father responded, Pastor, he says, we're okay. He says, really, really we are. We've been in a loving small group for years. Our, our group members knew that this pregnancy had some complications and, and they were at our house, in fact, the night that we learned uh, of the news. And, 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 and they were at the hospital when Emily was delivered and, and, and they helped us absorb the, the reality of this whole thing. They even cleaned our house and they fixed our meals when we, when we brought her home and they, they pray for us relentlessly and, and they call us several times a day. They even are helping us plan little Emily's funeral. And just then three other couples stepped forward and surrounded Emily and her parents. And one of the group's uh, members said, yeah, yeah, we always attend church together as a group. A close-knit huddle of loving brothers and sisters doing their best to soften one of the cruelest blows that life can throw. I wanna ask you, where would that family be? Where would they go? How, How would they handle this heartbreak without the church? How? There is nothing like when God's people come together, there is nothing like the church. It's beautiful for your situation. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the brokenhearted. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth for the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten and to the oppressed and to the disheartened. And it breaks the chains of addiction and frees the oppressed. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. No other organization on this earth is like the church. Amen. Nothing even comes close. That's right. Yet we can find the lamest excuses. For not making it to the church. For not going to life group. For, for skipping the event designed just to help you out. And you stay home to finish binge watching the latest Netflix show or whatever. All while you've never needed to be here more. Your spouse never needed to be here more. Your kids never needed to be here more. Your family never needed to be here more. Listen to me, you dry up spiritually every time you miss fellowship with other believers. In Acts chapter 5, verse 42, it says, They met day after day in the temple courts, day after day in the temple courts, and from house to house. They didn't just meet on Sunday but they met whenever they could, they met. They, They met day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. Every Christian needs to have this balance in their life that like larger group celebration like on Sunday and then small group fellowship during the week. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 10 says, two are better off than one because together they are more effective. If you wanna be more effective in your Christian life, you have to get together. With other believers. If you say, oh, I don't need the church family. Guys, I'm telling you, that's suicide. You're just kidding yourself. We need each other. We need each other to grow and to develop. And sometimes we need each other just to make it period. Sometimes we need a team to sort of gang tackle the enemy or the issue. Psalm 122 and 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. <clears throat> you remember when I read Psalm 84 just earlier? It was a song written by the sons of Korah. And all of you guys are going, well, who is Korah? And who are the sons of Korah? It was Korah who led a rebellion of 250 community leaders against Moses during the wilderness days, during the toughest days. He found some people to rebel against him. During the, isn't that the way it is? It's like right in the middle of the hardest times, and all these leaders start walking away. Listen, I'm gonna tell you something God judged Korah. If you're familiar with scripture, And he judged those leaders, and they all died instantly. But he spared, God spared Korah's children and grandchildren. But listen to me close. But for seven generations, the sons of Korah were forbidden to come to the tabernacle. They were kept from coming to church. Now that we know that story, when we read the 84th Psalm, doesn't it bring a fresh new meaning? Can you hear their hearts after not being allowed to come together to go to the temple for seven long generations? How, oh, how lovely is your tabernacle, O oh Lord of hosts. Uh, my soul, it longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh it cries out for the living God. Guys, I know you know this. There are millions of Christians across this world, listen to me, who would give anything to just freely get up out of their pajamas, out of bed, and drive to church. Looking back on the COVID days, I I rejected, I'm telling you guys, I rejected the whole idea of shutting down as a church. I, I I could hardly come to grips with that. And then it wasn't too long. Several weeks went by and it seemed easier and easier to stay home on Sunday. Man, something inside this pastor said there's no people like God's people. There's no place like church. My soul longs to be here. Listen, I, I can't get enough of this place. I'm at, I'm at every event that I can get to golf. I combat, for goodness sakes. Pickleball, pickleball, pickleball. <laughs> helping people move. Whatever the situation, I'm at events that I wasn't even invited to. <laughs> the youth start looking at me funny when I show up. Like, when are you getting out of here? Shoot, one time the ladies had to kick me out of their event. Every single thing going on, guys, I want to be a part of. I can't get enough of you bridge people. I love you all so much. Most importantly, I love it right here on this front row while the worship team leads us all in worshiping God. Remember the years, and some of you don't remember this, but when churches used to ring the bells in the community when church was about to start, and they knew it's time to come together and worship God. Listen, we may not hear the bells in our communities anymore, but I pray that you hear them in your heart every time these doors are open. And regardless of what else is going on, that you do whatever you need to do to lead your family, to get together with God's people. Because like I said, there's worship team as you come. There's no other organization on earth. There's no other organization on earth like the church. Nothing Even comes close. Nothing comes close. Shall we stand together? Thank you, Lord. I don't know what they're going to sing, but I want to pray for you. As you close your eyes and you bow your heads in respect to the others that are here today, let me pray for you before you leave. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, there are people here today, many under the sound of my voice who needed this message today. People trying to live for you people trying to understand how to abide in you, how to develop a better relationship with you. And they struggle with this discipline, coming together, sharing life with others, sharing resources with others. Supporting one another's needs. Even worshiping and celebrating together. <clears throat> and I pray that you, that you turn that struggle around. Turn it into, and make it into their passion. So they feel like, oh man, I, I, I can't get enough of the bridge. Like the sons of Korah saying, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Give us a passion like never before, a passion to live life together, to worship God together, to come together to help others who are in need. Let our love for you, God, our relationship with you, our our abiding in you take first place in our life. Let our abiding in you be the source that motivates our fellowship with each other. And like a circle, let our discipline to fellowship yield a desire to always abide in you, to always remain connected to you. And I pray this for everyone.